Heavenly Father, I just thank You and praise You. I just ask You right now for the anointing. I thank You for giving me utterance. Holy Spirit, if I mess it up in the saying, I thank You for fixing it before it gets downrange. Father, I ask You that You would, for a spirit of wisdom and revealed knowledge of who You are, that we understand Your character and enlighten the eyes of our understanding, make it real to each individual, and that each person gets what they need here tonight uh, to make their life better. And I thank You for it in advance. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. All right, Character of God, Part 29. We're on Jehovah, Part 5. You know we're jumping off Scripture, Exodus 6. Exodus 6, go to the next one, there we go. Exodus 6 and verse 1. It said, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I'll do to Pharaoh. Let's just stop right there, because God says, Watch what I'm going to do to your enemy. So we just like breeze over that. He said, Hey, hey, watch what I'm going to do to your enemy. Okay, yeah, good. All right. How I many know if God says that, I wouldn't want to be the enemy? Right. He said, for with a strong hand, it says, shall he let them go? How many know with a strong hand, he tried to keep them? So it wasn't his strong hand that let them go. Whose strong hand was it that made him let the people go? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to get backhanded by Jehovah. Would you? Then he said, look, with a strong hand... He shall drive them out of his land. How I many know he didn't? He was trying to keep them there. What drove him out of the land? We'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but it was that final plague. Remember the Passover? When the firstborn were dead, he said, just go. Who, who got backhanded? He did with whose hand? Jehovah. Now, remember I said this on Sunday, but in Luke, it says that Jesus said he cast out devils with the finger of God. Right? That's what Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty, I think, 21. He said, with the finger of God, I cast out devils. Well, if with the finger of God, devils get cast out, I sure would want to feel the backhand. With a strong hand? That wasn't like a little slap. He just thought, wow. We're going to see all this coming up. Well, why, why does that, what does that have to do with what we're, what's that has character? Because he wasn't like that one who was revealing himself as El Shaddai. No, El Shaddai, I'm the God that's more than enough. I make you, you know, I more than supply your needs over the top with it. I'm your mother. I mean, your father, who's your mother. I'm the all-breasty one and has a special formula just for you. But now, I'm, now you're getting, now, gloves are coming off. How many know when mama's breastfeeding, that's when she's being nice? If her cub is in danger, right, you just sit right there just a minute while I go take care of this. Verse 2. Then God spake unto Moses, and he said unto him, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. But you're fixing to find out. So that tells me all the way up until now, he hadn't revealed himself as Jehovah. Remember, Jehovah, go to the next one, is the I Am, the self-existent one. Right, all life written. Remember, we spent four weeks going over that we are part of I Am. Because Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus said, I'm Jehovah. And then it says that before the foundation of the world, we were in Christ. We were in Him before He even made Adam and Eve. So we must be part of it. If He's I am and we're in Him, then we're part of I am. Well, why do we need to know? Because you're going to find out what I am really means. What He's finding out here is that with a strong hand. And you know, we never saw really any big spectacular stuff with El Shaddai, did we? 
He made Abraham rich, and that was nice, and, you know, covenant and all, you know. And Joseph, you know, interpreted some dreams. That was nice. But now, gloves are coming off. I am. He didn't say you were part of El Shaddai. He said you were part of I am. So when you get a hold of what his character is, maybe we'll start acting like who we are. Start taking some dominion, some authority. Not rolling over for junk. Did God roll over for Pharaoh? Alright, let's go to Exodus 2. We'll get a running head start from where we left off last week. This is when, remember Moses, he killed that one Egyptian guy? Because the Egyptian guard was beating one of the Hebrews, so he killed him when nobody was looking, and he buried him, and then it all got out. Word got out on the street. Nothing's hidden. It'll all come out. This is in verse 15, Exodus 2. Verse 15, Exodus 2. It says, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing that Moses did that, he sought to slay Moses. Death warrant was put out for Moses. Let's go get the cops. Go round them up. Bring them in. But Moses, he went on the lamb. He fled from the face of Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now go to the next one for me. Now, okay. Here's our little map so you get an idea. I didn't do this last week. This week. Here's Egypt over here right on the edge of the map. See that? Goshen. There's Ramses and Pithom. Remember those two cities that the Hebrews were made to make? That's these two right here, remember? That's where their bondage started. So he, Moses hightails it. Here's the land of Midian over here. It's about 230 miles across the desert. So let's just say if he covered 10 miles a day, that would be 23 days. I think Moses was probably a little stouter than that. Let's say he did 20 miles, and it took him, what, about two weeks to get there? week and a half? 10, 10 days, 12 days? Now he's over here. Okay, go to the next one. Here we go. Back to Exodus. Verse 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs of the water to feed their fathers, or water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and they drove them away. All right, go to the next one. This is just the covenant chart. Remember that Midian was one of Abraham's? There's the covenant line. Shem, Eber, the Hebrews, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now we're over in this crew, the Israelites. Midian, one of the other sons. Remember when Abraham, he had that Anna Nicole Smith wife? That, that Midian was one of the boys born from the Anna Nicole Smith deal. That's where he's at. All right, so go back to Exodus. So shepherds came, so you know, some hooligans came by and they drove the daughters away. But Moses stood up and he helped them and he watered their flock. Now, I just kind of breezed over that, but he went into some of that high-speed, you know, hand-to-hand combat stuff that he learned in Egypt. Because remember, Moses was getting fixing to be king, right. Pharaoh. So he was trained in the best military academies and tactics and hand-to-hand co- And smart, too, because he went to the best universities. He was getting to be Pharaoh. So he used some of that kung fu stuff that he learned in Egypt. They didn't have that. I was just making that up. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so uh, and he drove them away, and uh, then he helped them do their water and chore. And in verse 18, it said, When they came to Ruel, their father... Now, we know his name is really Jethro... But right here it says Ruel, which is means friend of God. Now remember, Moses don't know nothing about covenant or anything because 400 years have gone by and they ain't even mentioned God. Remember that from last week? We went like 430 years before they even mentioned God. And it certainly wasn't El Shaddai. It was a little, you know, oh Elohim, the Creator. So isn't it funny that God takes somebody outside the covenant and is going to school Moses on the covenant because this guy's going to tell him about his God. And so Ruel's father said, How is it to the daughters that you are come so soon today? How would you get back so fast? 
And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us, and he watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, well, where is he? And why is it that you left the man? Call him that he could eat bread with us. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. So he was happy there. And he was there a long time. Because it said, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time. Now, Moses was there in the desert for 40 years with Jethro and his new wife. Did you see how fast we went through that? He came for dinner. Next thing you know, he's got a wife and two kids. All within like a verse. Did you, so you've got to watch that when you're reading. Don't just skip over it. You've got to know a lot of time passed. Okay, but now, now watch this on God's end. Verse 23, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt, the one that wanted to kill Moses, had died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage. And they cried up to their God. Is that what it says? No, and they cried, and their cry came up to God. Why? Because they were in covenant and they were calling in a covenant marker? But did they cry to God because they were believing God to help them out? God wasn't even on the radar screen. They were crying because it was really hard now. After 430 years, it got so tough, now they're whining. I can't believe, what am I going to do? This is just horrible. But they ain't calling out to God. They're just calling out. This stinks. But God heard their groaning, and look what happened. God remembered His covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect, or it says in the Hebrew, that He recognized them. Hey, they're my covenant kids. You know, God's faithful even when we're not. We went through the whole thing last week, get it? They weren't supposed to be there. God didn't put them in bondage. They put themselves there. And they still weren't crying unto Him to get out. That's how far off the radar screen that they were with this covenant thing. God, they weren't even thinking about them. They just didn't like life. God said, well, I'll help them out. You know what? I had a covenant with their great, 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 great granddaddy. Exodus 3 and verse 1. Now we're back to Moses. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now I spent some time on that last week, and then I showed this in the Scripture, but he was, he was, Jethro actually was going and making sacrifices to God. He had a relationship with God. He would take sacrifices to him. He had a relationship with God, and he was a friend of God. He was called the friend of God. And so he's teaching Moses about his own covenant. He ain't even part of the covenant. And yet he's teaching Moses about his, his great-great-granddaddy's God, Abraham's God, which is still the same bloodline Abraham. Not the covenant, though. So if God has to go outside the covenant to get help to you, He will. He ain't in a box. Don't put Him in a box. Be like, well, there, you know, so-and-so, you know, denomination. So? It says that God uses vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. He used a donkey one time. No comments about that. Well, Andrew, you look like one. No, never mind. All right, so back to Exodus, right? So here he is, keeping the flock of his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. Go to the next. Here we go. Now, traditionally, there's Mount Sinai. Remember, here's Midian over here. Remember, he went all the way around the horn there, the Gulf of Aqaba? Here's traditional. That ain't the backside of the desert. Here's Mount Horeb, the real one, at Jebel El-Laws, it's called. This is the actual real one, not the one that tradition has. And you can search it out in the Scriptures and we'll look at it as we go. This is where he was. 
because he came all the way over here. This is the backside. If you're from Egypt and you're looking across the desert, this is the front side, ain't it? So the backside would be all the way on the other side of the Red Sea. It would be this one. Moses is writing it, and where is he from? Egypt. Right. He says, I'm over here, and then I came to this mountain, Horeb, which is later called Mount Sinai. That's it. Okay, go to the next one. It's in Saudi Arabia, that area. Here's the Egypt way over here. Here's Israel. There's the Gulf of Aqaba. There's this mountain right here. Notice, here's a map of a modern-day map of Saudi Arabia. Now, if you go to Galatians 5 or Galatians 4.25 real quick, just look at it in the Scripture because who cares what I think and I really don't care what the archaeologists think. I want to know what the Word says. Galatians 4 and verse 25. For this agar is Mount Sinai in where? Arabia. Now, there's Arabia's borders. It's always been Arabia's borders. Right there at the Gulf. It's always stopped there from way back when. Over here, this is the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, and it's been in Egyptian control. Where did Galatians say that the mount was? Arabia. So it's on this side. Okay? Go to the next one. Back to Exodus 3 and verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the middle of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush wasn't consumed. All right, go to the next one. I got some pictures of that actual mountain. If you look right up here at the top, I don't know if you can see it real good. Jeff, you might want to hit the light. Here's like all normal colored at the top. Where this bush was burning, the rock is actually burnt. Can you see that? Go to the next one. There's a better picture of it. There it is right there. There's all like trees and stuff. See some green on there? Not up there. It's all still burnt to this day. Okay. Go to the next one. Verse 3. So here's this burning bush. It's up there. He's on the backside of the desert minding his business. And there's God. Whoop. And Moses said... I will now turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush isn't burnt. Now, most of us have probably been like, well, that's cool, I ain't going up there. I've seen that in all those movies. You never, never follow it up. Because you know something bad's going to happen. But no, he said, now I'm going to go look at it. And when the Lord saw, now watch this, and the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called out to him. When did God call out to him? When he saw hey, when he saw Moses coming towards him, that's when God called out to him. God wasn't calling him until Moses said, I'm going to go check this out. Had Moses not called, had Moses said, yeah, that's really cool, and he kept going. Would God have called out? Not according to this. Them children of Israel would have been waiting a whole lot longer. So God called out to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Draw not hither. Put off the shoes from your feet, for the place you stand is holy ground. Remember, holy means devoted to a single purpose. This was called the mountain of God. Apparently at that time, that's where God was hanging out on the planet. If God was going to be on the planet, He was hanging out there. He said, this is my mountain. Now people are like, Well, why would you take your shoes off? Well, you don't want to be muddying up God's carpet. Right? My wife made me take my shoes off after I cut the grass. Don't be coming in here. I just This is holy ground. It's devoted to it's my house. So we try to make this so hokey and weird. It ain't. 
God's normal just like you. He made you in His image. Why would you think He's different? Moreover, He said, now He introduces Himself. Now remember, He's got... What? Moses ain't got the Bible to read. He didn't write it yet. All he got to go on is what that Jethro guy, friend of God, is telling him. And whatever was passed down by the Hebrews, but they're not even mentioning God. So how much was passed down? Not that much. So God's got some work to do. So what's he start doing? Watch. He said, I'm, I'm a God of your father. Most of them, my daddy don't do nothing much with God. I'm, we never, you know, I've never heard of you. So then he says, then he starts dropping names. Oh, that didn't work. I'm the God of Abraham. You heard of him? You notice how God's dropping names? God ever drop your name when he introduced himself to somebody? He should. So I'm the God of Jeff. I'm the God of Clark. I'm the God of Glory. Huh? Amen. And then that ain't enough, so he starts listing some off, some celebrities. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. You heard of him? What about the God of Jacob? How about that guy? You heard of him? Well, I guess he did because it said that Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look upon God. I would be too. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrow. Well, how come you just didn't wave your magic wand, God, and get them out of there? You ever wonder why God didn't wave His magic wand and fix your problem? Who put them in this problem? They did. I don't know. God's going to go to the mat to get them fit, to fix it. But He has to do it according to His Word. Otherwise, He'd be a liar and the whole thing would come apart at the seams and then you're going anyway. We're just molecules and, you know, Big Bang Theory in reverse. Give the evolution something to talk about if they were here, but they wouldn't be. He said, now I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. How many know none of those folks want to leave? Yeah, they ain't just going to give it up. Oh, well, God said. Oh, yeah, the God Abraham. Oh, no, go ahead, take it. I didn't want this ranch anyway. No, you can have it. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me. That's the second time he said it. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you unto Pharaoh. Oh, now, hold the phone. I thought you said you were going to deliver them, God. What's this me business? How do we go from you were delivering them to you're sending me? Because God can't do anything on this planet without your help. He's got to use what's available, people. You understand? You know why God hasn't given up on us? Because we're all He's got to use. We're the only game He's got in town, people that believe Him. He said, I'll send you unto Pharaoh that you may bring my people forth, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, "Uh Uh-uh. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you'll worship me on this mountain. God, you've got to get a better deal. That's a sign? Ooh, I, yeah. The sign is that when I'm done, I can come back to this mountain and see you. God's funny, ain't He? Would that work for you? 
I mean, think about it. You have a death warrant on you. You've been on the run for 40 years. Now you're just going to walk back into the king's area where the death warrant was signed. How many know there isn't really, you know, what is it, statute of limitations on murder? And you're going to walk in there and tell them, I'm taking all these people with me. Hi, how are you? You ain't doing it, are you? So let's not throw rocks at Moses when he says, uh-uh. Now I'm just minding, I'm, I'm just doing my sheep. No, I shouldn't have come up here looking at this bush thing. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they'll say unto me, Yeah, well, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? God, what is your name? All you said was you were the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Who's that? Jehovah. And he said, this is what you're going to say unto the children of Israel. I am hath sent me unto you. Oh, that'll work. (laughs) Who sent you? I am. Yeah, you know, I know who you are, but who sent you? I am. I I know, but who sent you? I am that I am. Oh, let's follow him. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God, Jehovah Elohim of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So he tells them, go through the same thing that I just went through with you. Drop some names. Has sent me unto you. And this is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto him, The Lord Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and have seen what is done unto you in Egypt. And I have said, this is God telling him, you tell him this is what I said, that I'll bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and a land flown with milk and honey. He says, so we're going to leave one enemy and go to a land that's occupied by one, two, three, four, five, six enemies. Oh, but it's flowing with milk and honey. How many know they had milk and honey in Egypt too? They were eating pretty good, weren't they? They were the superpower. And then God said, And they will hearken unto your voice. And thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And you'll say unto him, Jehovah, God of the Hebrews, has met with us. (laughs) I'm going to go into the President of the United States, most powerful man in the world, and tell him, hey, God talked to me and said, you need to do this on your foreign policy. Anybody, any takers? It ain't happening. First off, are you even going to get the meeting? Highly doubtful. The way God's setting it, why does He have to do everything the hard way? Couldn't you just wave your magic wand and get them out of here? Send some of those angels down and do the job for them? He says, so you're going to say to the king, Jehovah, Elohim of the Hebrews, met with us. Now let us go. We beseech thee, please, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. And I am sure 
This is God. He's trying to get Moses to do something. I'm sure that the Pharaoh, he ain't going to let you go. How many know if God's sure that it ain't going to work? Why would he tell me to go do something he knows ain't going to work? What are you kidding me? This is not helping. You're not helping me hear and do. I'm hearing, not so much on the doing. If you're sure it ain't going to work, why would I walk that out? I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Mm-mm. Oh, then he tells us what? But I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I'll do in the middle, the midst thereof, and after that, he'll let you go. Well, God, can't we just skip to that part and just leave me out of the whole thing? Why don't you just you know, smite them with your hand, do the mighty wonders and all that, and I'll just stay here and they can meet me. I mean, you, you, you never had these kind of conversations with God? If Moses is having these, because he's going to start arguing and God gets ticked here in a minute. If Moses is thinking all this stuff, it's crazy. They're going to brand him as an idiot. Y'all ever felt like, I listened to you, God, now I'm looking like an idiot? You ain't alone. He started it with Moses. It's all right. Then they wrote it down so all of us in the number one bestseller in all-time history could read about it. And in verse 21, he said, I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. On top of all that, I'll give them favor and it will come to pass that when you go out, you won't go out empty, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. She that sojourneth in her house all the jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and you'll put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you'll spoil the Egyptians. Now tell me that last part again, God. That sounds really good. Let's skip that part of where i got to go to Pharaoh. Because you already even said that ain't going to work. But the end. The end is we're going to be really rich when we walk out of there. Is that what you said? Why would God do all this? Remember? He revealed Himself as Elohim first, the Creator. Then He revealed Himself as El Shaddai. Who's He revealing Himself as right now? Jehovah. Look over here in Ephesians um, chapter 1. We've looked at this before in Inheritance, Ephesians chapter 1. Why is He doing all this? Because we need something to hang our hat on when we, when we read this verse. We need to have some kind of point of reference. What does this mean? Chapter 1 of Ephesians and verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power? Dunamis, miracle-working power towards us, word, who believe. According to the working energy, of the energy of His mighty dominion and His power, His energy and ability and might, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, Every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come, put all things under His feet, gave Him to be the head of all things in the church, which is His body. Say, that's me. Oh, all that power, every bit of God's power is towards you who believe. And you're part of it. Because He said, look up there in verse what? Four? According as He had chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. So when you understand all that power, 
is in you. Now flip over a page to Ephesians 3. And verse 20. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? According to all that power that works in you. Well, what's that mean? That's what we're finding out. It looks really bad. Superpower. It ain't going to work. By the time I'm done with them, they won't know which way's up. And in fact, you're going to walk out there with all their riches and they're going to be going... On the front end, you'll look like an idiot. How many know Moses looked like an idiot all the way through until the day they were walking out with all that stuff? Back to Exodus in chapter 4. So God's sure that it's not going to work. But I'll make you rich. And Moses answered in verse 1 and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they'll say, The Lord hasn't appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What's in your hand? He said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. You bet he did. Are you kidding me? This is not even funny, God. And the Lord said to Moses, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm not. They didn't have Animal Planet back then. They didn't know how to take serpents up by the tail and live. And he put forth his hand and he caught it and became a rod again. He said, That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared unto you. And the Lord said unto him, furthermore unto him, because you know he knew Moses wasn't going to go for just one, so he said, go ahead and put your hand into your bosom. Put it into that, that breast pocket of your jacket. And he put it in there, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous as snow. <laughs> that was like their cancer. That'd freak you out, wouldn't it? Can we do the snake again? <laughs> Wait a minute, guys. I'm, you're going to do all this, and you gave me the cancer? What kind of sign is that? Why don't you give Pharaoh the cancer? And he said, put it back in there again. So he put it back into his bosom again. He pulled it out. And behold, it was back as his other flesh. It was healed up. And then God says, And it shall come to pass, if they still will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, and that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. He said, if they don't do you the first one, they'll believe you on the second one. I mean, you, you pull out and you got the leopard, and you say, here, shake my hand. And they'll be like, no, no, I believe you. I believe you. Never mind. Don't touch me with that. And it shall come to pass that they won't believe either of these two signs because there's going to be some knuckleheads there. That's how we got in this mess in the first place. He said that they will not hearken to your voice, that you'll take water out of the river and pour it on dry land, and the water which you take out of the river shall become blood on the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, O my Jehovah, I am not eloquent. Say lie. Dude, What, bruh, first off, I'm God, okay? You can't fool me. I know where you went to college. I know you were fixing to become Pharaoh of Egypt. You know the political spin machine. I'm not eloquent. Lie. Why you lie to God? You do too. Don't worry about it. Don't be upset at Moses. I couldn't do that. He said, neither herefore, since you... Uh, now he's trying to stutter. I'm not eloquent. Uh, uh, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I'm slow of speech and a slow tongue. And the Lord said, well, you never had that problem before. No, he said, who's made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb, the deaf, or the sing, or the blind? Have I not the Lord? 
Now let's just stop right there because people go, see, God makes the deaf and the dumb and the blind. And God did it. Yeah, he can. Let's look at some times where he did. Do we got time? I like this. Woo, go to uh, 2 Kings. I like it when God show up and make people blind. You will too after we read this story. 2 Kings verse six, or chapter 6 and verse 15. This will be fun. All right, so here's the setup, right? Elijah and his prophet, I mean, his, and his sidekick, his uh, prophet's assistant, his executive secretary, whatever, you know, the valet. They're in Jerusalem. They wake up and there's all these chariots and all these horses and, and the city is under siege from Syria. So here goes the, the guy's out. He's getting his coffee and donuts and he looks, ah, we're under attack. They've shut down the whole city. It's all around the outside. Okay, so here we go. Let's go to verse 14. Therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and they compassed about the city. Now when the servant of the man was risen early, so he got his coffee and his donuts or whatever, you know, went down to Starbucks, and was gone forth, behold, he saw the host that compassed the city with both horses and chariots. And they had tanks and helicopters. And his servant said unto him, he came to Elijah, Alas, my master, what shall we do? This ain't the first miracle that, you know... I mean, he's hanging out with Elijah, right? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elijah said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they would be with them. And Elijah prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, the angels, round about. Now, why didn't God just send them angels in? Why do we have to do this? Well, watch. Does he use the angels? Let's see. And Elijah, or when they came down unto him, Elijah prayed unto the Lord and he said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with what? Blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of? That's some dominion right there. Yep. And so Elijah said unto them, so he walks right down in the middle of this giant army. Are you guys lost? I say, old boys, I'll show you the way. Right? He said, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were coming to Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in the middle of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? What he did is he walked them right into a giant ambush. The armies of Israel were surrounding them when their eyes were open. Does God blind some eyes? When you need them to. Will he open them? When you need them to. That's what God's telling Moses. I can do whatever I want with your mouth or your eyes or your lips. Whatever. And he answered, he said, Nah, don't smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with your sword or with your bow? Give them bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. And he prepared a great provision for them. What? You're feeding these guys? And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. And because of that, what happened? 
So the bands of Syria came no more to the land of Israel. No, we'll let these guys go. Go home and tell your king, next time you come down here, you're all going to die. Killing them wouldn't have got that story back out to the king of Syria. But God blinded their eyes. So could God make them blind? Sure. Could He make Moses talk good? Yep. Back to Exodus 4. I could show you a bunch of others. Remember uh, John the Baptist's daddy? When the angel came and said, you're going to have a boy. He said, I don't know how that could be. I'm old. They said, no, you ain't talking until this whole thing's over. And he made him dumb. Y'all remember that story? Yeah. All right, we won't look at it. It's over in Luke 1. Verse 12 of Exodus 4. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what you shall say. Okay. God just told him, throw his stick down, it became a snake. Then he picked it up. They're using that little trick to get other people to believe. Should have worked on Moses. Then they did number two. Meanwhile, he's talking to a burning bush that's not burning up. Pulls it out, leprosy, pulls it back in. Oh, it's clean. Oh, that's great. Now they'll believe you. Right, now, now listen. I'll teach your mouth what to say. Well, I just saw those signs and this bush thing's burning. I should just believe God. And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom you will send. Send somebody else. God's like, who knows how long it took him to find Moses? He might have tried to start getting them out 200 years ago. How long did he look for Abraham? For a covenant? 2,000 years. So he could find some guy that would go into covenant with him. Now God looking at his watch. These people are screaming. What's going on? Then look what? Verse 14. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He had had enough. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know he can speak well. This is God talking. Your brother. I know he can talk. And also, behold, he comes forth now to meet thee. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. He's on the way. Isn't that funny? God already knew that this was going to happen, so what did He do? He already told Aaron. He already appeared to Aaron. We're going to see that in here in a couple minutes and told him, go on and get the desert. Remember, it's like a 14-day trip. See, God knows how to talk to you. He knows when to talk to you and how long it will take you to hear and what needs to happen to get you to move. It isn't that hard. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about hearing that good. He's setting you up even if you're arguing. He's got plan B going. Already. Moses tried to get out of this deal. Do you see how many times he's trying to get out of it? Verse 15, And you'll speak unto him, and you'll put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be the spokesman. So now Aaron got the job as the first public uh, information officer of the nation of Israel. Under the people. And he shall be, even as he shall, he shall be, even as he shall be, instead of a mouth, and you shall be to him instead of God. So what he's saying is, he'll be like you, and you'll be to him God. He'll be like you to the people, since you can't talk. I'll let him talk to the people. You tell him what to say and he'll say it. So who's going to give, who's going to give Ramah to Aaron? 
Moses. So Moses is going to give Ramah to get Ramah from. Look how many middlemen we got. No wonder it takes so long for God to get anything done on the planet. He's fighting uphill both ways just to try and get these people out of there. He finally finds somebody that he thinks he can work with. That guy's fighting him the whole way. So he says, well, we put in enough. So how many layers of this bureaucracy are going to have to get put here before people actually do what they're supposed to? In verse 17, he said, And you shall take this rod in your hand, wherewith you'll do the signs. And Moses went and he returned to Jethro his father-in-law, and he said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return to my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, No, you can't go there. No, he said, Go in peace. Why? This guy hears from God better than Moses does. He lives right there by the mountain. He's a friend of God. God ain't fried him yet. He must have some kind of relationship with him. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. Well, we got that one. The death warrant's over. Do you see how long it took God to get around to telling him that? Not until Moses said, All right, I'm going. And then he came back and made family arrangements and said, Pack the stuff, we're going. Then God said, Don't worry, I've taken care of the death warrant. First, first problem, gone. I mean, you know, there's a whole mountain of problems after that that God even told him that one ain't going to work, this ain't going to work, that ain't going to work. But in the end, it'll work. Do you know why God doesn't tell you this stuff? Because you would argue too. You would, if God told you to do something and said, don't worry, when you do that one, it ain't going to work, you'd be like, well, why am I doing that one? Because it's setting you up for the next one. Do you, you understand? That's why He don't tell us everything. Because He tell you, look, you're going to go do this I'm sure it's not going to work. <laughs> what? Right, don't worry about it, because after you get about six of them down, then it'll work. Lord, help me, Jesus. So in verse 20, Moses took his wife and his sons, and he set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. So he's taken off. It's about a two-week trip. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. The rod of God. And the Lord said unto Moses, when you go, now he's going to give him some more info. God's giving him more, but he's already going. He's already packed the family. They're on I-95. Did you see that? Alright. That's when he got more word. While they're already on the way. He said, when you go to return into Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart and he won't let the people go. Do everything I told you, it still ain't going to work. Well, I would have rather you not tell me anything than God. And he said in verse 22, Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord. Well, how many know that brands you as a kook already? Thus saith the Lord. Well, that guy's a wacko. Israel is my son, even my what? Okay. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me or worship me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I'll slay your son, even your firstborn. Go tell Pharaoh that. Now, who's he t- what's he talking about? Firstborn sons, isn't he? And it came to pass by the way in the end, they had a rest stop, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now some translators say, well, they, God tried to kill Moses. That ain't what happened. Who is he talking about? Firstborn sons. 
God met him on the path, and guess what happened? This will tell us what happens on the next verse. Why would God try to kill Moses' firstborn son? That don't seem right. Well, who saw it? Moses is sleeping in the bed. The only one aware of it is his wife. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son, cast it at his feet, Moses' feet, and said, Surely you are a bloody husband unto me. So God let him go. And then she said, A bloody husband you are because of the circumcision. She didn't circumcise her kids. Moses' kids weren't in the covenant. They had to be in the covenant to have covenant protection. God can't go kill firstborn everybody in Egypt if you're going to bring a kid that ain't in the covenant down there because guess who's going to die too? The firstborn that anybody's not in the covenant. Zipporah, the mama, didn't like that circumcision business. These kids weren't young. They weren't little kids. Didn't say she circumcised the other one. She just did the firstborn. I don't know what happened to the other one. Doesn't say. Moses had to get his own house in order before he started going down there unleashing the power of Jehovah because guess what? God's fair. He's equal. If he says anybody who ain't in the covenant firstborn's dying, if you ain't in the covenant, guess what? You're dying. Get in. She didn't like it, but she did it when she saw God in His mercy giving her the front end. Guess what? If you don't take care of this now, kid's going to die in the middle of this battle. Get it taken care of. Fine. You bloody husband to me. Look, my kid, I had to circumcise him up. See, you got to understand, Jehovah, that hand, when it swings, you don't want to be in that path. I mean, he tells you stuff that's coming down the pipe for you to obey to get out of the way. If you don't, don't be like, God, why you let that happen to me? No, because you didn't get out of the way. He'll tell you when it's coming. Every time judgment, when we, if you guys listen to that uh, message uh, dealing with disaster, every time judgment comes, he lets his people know and they go. Remember Lot? Dude ain't even living right. The angel said, we can't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until you're in the next county. Move it. They had to physically drag him out of there. Verse 27, And the Lord said to Aaron, now this is like, a flashback, because God said a couple verses ago, He's on the way and meeting you here. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness and meet Moses. And he went and he met him at the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he commanded in him. Go to the next one. So here's his big journey. Aaron's up here in Goshen because that's where all the Hebrews lived. God tell him, Go meet Moses. Here, all the way over here. That's where Aaron meets him on the highway. Now we're going back. There's a lot of space, a lot of time to be thinking, what are we going to do? 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 This is crazy. God said it ain't going to work. Let's go up here. Beersheba's nice. Abraham had a good well up there. Wasn't that ranch up in Sukkot? Isn't that where Jacob built the house? Is that still there? Maybe we could just go up there. Plenty of opportunity to turn away. You know, they're going right in. I mean, going right into it. A lot of time to think all by yourself. You know, not a lot of distractions out there in that desert. And God already told them it ain't going to work. About the first ten times that you go in there, it ain't going to work. How many plagues were there? Ten? Didn't work for ten times. When do you give up? One? Two, three, seven. What if you gave up a number nine? 
Well, I knew it wouldn't work. Who, who quit? I don't know how long it'll take. How long will it take? Till it gets done. Whatever it is, it ain't that long. God's been at this for a lot longer than I have. A thousand years is as a day. If it takes a day, it's a long time for me, not for God. If it takes a year, it's like a half a microsecond for Him, isn't it? A thousand years as a day, days a thousand years, you calculate it down, it's like a blink of an eye, oh, it's done. What are you guys complaining about? See, because you're in Him. If you were in Him before the foundation of the world, why are you worrying about 10 minutes or 20 years? Go to the next one. Verse 29. And Moses and Aaron went, so here's that trip, and they gathered together, oh, the elders of the children of Israel. So now we got this first problem. We've got to get these people on board before I can go say I'm representing these people to Pharaoh. These guys just show up and go, eh, we're your Savior. I didn't vote for Moses. Did you vote for Moses? Anybody? I didn't even see a campaign. Was there even a campaign? Did anybody contribute to Moses? Did you see a blog? I didn't even know he was around. Who was this guy? Do you see the problems that Moses had? I mean, this is the stuff he has. This is so huge. What God's asking him to do, whatever he's asking you to do, is way smaller than this. If he could take care, that's why he's showing off his hand with a strong... So you understand that whatever your problem is, it's nothing compared to this. And if he pulled this one off, whatever you're dealing with is not a problem. Not, not a problem. And then Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And they did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people, this is a miracle right here. They believed. But how many of you know, when you're in bondage for 400 years, you're, you're looking to believe something, some hope, something. Give me something here. And when they heard that the Lord, Jehovah, had visited the children of Israel. Now, he didn't visit all of them. Who did he visit? Moses and Aaron. And that he looked upon their affliction. Remember, afflictions on the evil list. He looked on it. God saw it. And then these people believed that he saw it and that he wanted to do something about it. They had to believe that it was God's character, that he didn't do it to them, but he wanted to get them out. Because if they believed that he was doing it to them, they wouldn't have went anywhere. Which means they had to come to the realization that, A, God didn't do it to me. The enemy is Egypt, A, and B, I put myself here. Or my great, 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 great granddaddy, whatever. But we weren't jumping, we weren't on a big hurry to jump on the covenant. They had to come to that realization before they could get to where I believe God's wanting to help me out. And then what'd they do? Then they bowed their heads and they worshiped. Well, it only took you 430 years to get here, boys. Good job. The longer it takes you to get on board and believe and decide God's not the one that's doing it to you and that there is a real enemy and it ain't God and that the choices you made put you in that spot and then you do what? Worship. Now we can saddle up and get out of here. How many know it wasn't instant? When they worshipped, they hadn't even gone to round number one yet which God said, I am sure will not work. You mean i got to worship on the front end when God even told me it ain't going to work? Right. Because if you don't, that means you don't really believe it. And if you don't really believe it, 
can't really receive it. Because right. I really believe God was so well. I mean, these people, their lives were so miserable, that's why they got on board. Don't wait 430 years of misery before you get on board. Don't take that long before you go, hey, God will get me out of this one. I'm in covenant. I don't have to wait that long. They didn't have to wait that long either. They didn't even they could have bypassed the whole thing. All those kids. And kids, 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 grandkids, all that, that were in that bondage. Oh, because his knuckle headed brothers, really Jacob, when God told him stay here five years, and he stayed there seventeen, then he told jo- you know, Joseph, Oh no, get out of here, you go. Then Joseph went and came back, and then he told all his brothers, no, you go. And then they did it. And next thing you know, 430 years later, we got a mess on our hands, and I thought we were in covenant. Small choices. They looked okay at the time. They looked all right. Life was going good. Joseph was doing well. The brothers were prospering in Egypt. Why would we leave? See, if you hear on a bay really early on, it's just like anything else. I always say, nip it in the butt. Nip it. Get on it super fast. Symptoms in your body. Man, the second you see a zit starting to form on your face, you start yelling at it. No, we don't do that. I'm saying zit because it's small. Because we'll tolerate that. Same thing with symptoms in your body. Whatever it is. The sniffles, sneezes, you jump on it right away. No, we're not doing that. Same thing with hearing and doing. When God says go, all right even though I'm sure it's not going to work. <laughs> Listen, if it didn't work for Moses, don't sweat it if the first one out the box is... Ten times it took him. And we're going to look at every one of them. And each time, you know what Moses is doing? Put another victory in his belt. Well, you saw the frogs, you saw the flies, you saw the locusts, right? Water into blood. Fire, all that, one victory after another victory after another victory. By the time you get to the tenth one, he's worn out. God, do we got to do another one? Only if you want to win. Why didn't God just wave his magic wand? He can't. He can only do stuff that he could do on the planet through us. People. That's why we're the body of Christ. We're the hands. We're the feet. If we're not doing it, Ain't getting done. It's the only game in town he's got. Christians. Don't waste it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be like having 400 years of just garbage in my life when I could have avoided it. I don't know I'm saying 400 years, but how do you know 10 minutes sometimes feels like 400 years in your life? 10 minutes of misery. Well, I don't know, Andrew. Well, come out back with me and I'll do some drill instructor stuff with you, and I guarantee in 10 minutes it'll feel like 400 years. I can make it so 30 seconds feel like 400 years. Anybody that's been, had enough uncle already, okay, God, let me up. He didn't put you down. He's helping, working behind the scenes. He's doing everything he can do to get you up and out of that situation. On time, every time. Not on my time. On time. I didn't say on my time. He's on time. My time would be like instant wave the magic wand. I wish you could just wave the magic wand. Make it so much easier. But then is there really any faith in that? Then it's like Aladdin in the lamp with the three rubs and the genie. And God's not a genie. He's not granting wishes. He will, 
accomplish His Word. And He will complete your faith. Jesus is what? The author and the finisher of your faith. We're going to start looking at faith on Sundays. Back to basics. Is that kind of segue right into it? I'm excited about that. It's one of my most favorite things. You know why? Because without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. Stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us and bring it to our remembrance when we're rubber meets the road, real-time, everyday life. I thank You for teaching our mouth what to say. The mouth, I tell you, you only say what God's teaching it to say. Father, help us to get dominion over that tongue. Help us keep that thing from saying stuff that it shouldn't be saying. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.